Hamza. Another week starts and it's Sunday already. Yeah, here we go again. And it seems like that sometimes, doesn't it? If you're reaching your 50s or beyond and the kids are gone with kids of their own, then the next question is, who put time into high-speed mode? Right? Gee whiz. Is there any way out of this here-we-go-again rut I'm stuck in? Our worlds begin to shrink down into the safe and familiar. Change is viewed as disruption, even possibly dangerous, and comfort becomes the goal, personal peace and quiet the quest. I know, it's almost sad, huh? <laughs> Often we become more aware of what we have lost or can no longer do than what we have to offer. And this can lead to despair. We can withdraw into bitterness or low self-value, forgetting that we are sons and daughters of the king who have stepped into eternal life with far more before us than what we've left behind. I want to give you a quote from a book, uh, On Fire, The Seven Choices to Ignite a Radically Inspired Life. Isn't that a good title? It's by a guy named John O'Leary. He says this, comfortable is popular. It's easy. It's the currency many trade in. But boldly stretching is how things grow and where the magic happens. It fuels growth relationally, professionally, and emotionally. It's where lives are changed, starting with yours. Yes, it's 2017. Another year, another month, another week, and thank God it's Sunday again, and I get to gather with my family, children of the Most High God, Jesus, who we get to worship and delve into his word, we can have fellowship and eat together, breaking bread, and love each other with our words and our actions. It's 2017, and the kingdom of God continues to expand, bringing salvation to the lost, healing to the sick and broken, deliverance to the oppressed, and liberty to those who are in bondage. It's another year, and we have all of the potential of heaven to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, house the homeless, rescue children and adults trapped in ch from childhood from the scourge of sexual slavery. 2017 invites us to participate in conquering the opioid epidemic in New Hampshire. The days before us beckon us on to fruitful and effective empowerment of the Holy Spirit joining heaven's glory to humanity's potential as the image bearers of the one who offers life and life more abundant and promises us that we will do greater things than he himself has demonstrated by his obedience to his loving father, our father. Yes, here we go again. 2017 starts today. And the question to be answered is, what are you made of? What is your substance?
keep this in mind. The stuff you are made of determines what you are capable of producing. Everything reproduces after its own kind. 1 Corinthians 15.45 says this, Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. What are you made of? If your substance is dust, then you are living out of a cursed identity. Genesis 3.17, And God said to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The Apostle Paul refers to this state of being as perishing. Perishing. And if you live out of a dust mentality, then perishing, as it pertains to your body, is the fear that this is the end of life. But if your substance is of the Spirit, if you are of heaven, then perishing is no more than moving from one tent to another, from one state of being to the next. 1 Corinthians 15, 53, For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Your labors in the Lord are not empty and lifeless. That's what vain means. Know in Jesus your works are full of grace, mercy, and loving kindness, reproducing that which brings forth life and life more abundant, life eternal. Today starts 2017. Will it be a year of dust? Will we diminish all the more in our impact and relevance in our community? Or will 2017 be a year of life in the Spirit, 
where the kingdom of heaven continually breaks in on the world around us through the abundant life we are living in and for the glory of Jesus Christ. And if you remember from our recent teachings that the temple of God was the place where heaven intersected earth, where God met with man, and that in Jesus a great transition took place. The temple of God moved from perishable stone to imperishable living stones. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Today is the first day of 2017, and I want to offer you a good dose of heavenly encouragement from a most unlikely source, a hobbit. No, just kidding. <laughs> I had to throw that in. <laughs> it's what we do in snowstorms. <laughs> this is from the children at the round home built by Love 146 for little girls rescued out of child sex trafficking and exploitation, who by all dust-based reason should be broken, depressed, hopeless, and lifeless. But, well, let's just listen. Katrina and I were at the round home in the Philippines a couple of years ago, the day after the youngest to date client had arrived. She was a three-year-old child. She's no longer the youngest client. This year they received an infant But you know what they give her is hope and resiliency and life and love. And just like the kids said, you know, the grass gets trampled down, but it gets springs up again. Maybe you've been trampled down. But if you listen to these children, if you see where they're going from where they've been, you know how great and awesome our God can be. Two thousand seventeen begins today, and I don't think it's going to be safe or comfortable. But I do believe it will be life producing. Kingdom of God expanding, and for those who are willing to take the risk. 2017 may be the most spiritually enriching experience we have shared in quite a while. I hope you'll join with us in our pursuit of the purposes of God for us as the vineyard in the lakes region. So I just want to finish up today with some, uh, some plans. I told you we had a leadership meeting in December, and we had some fairly light discussion, which... You know, it's amazing in the kingdom what a little bit of chitter-chatter can quickly form into. <laughs> you know, 
Uh, I want to pass this. If you have a need of prayer answered, ask Gretchen Abbott to pray it. She does stuff like, oh, Lord, you know, we've been renting for a long time. I'd really like a house. But I don't want a house that someone else has lived in. I want a brand new house. So the very next day, Habitat yeah, called her up and said, how would you like a brand new house no one's ever lived in? <laughs> so that happens to her all the time. She has the Lord's ear. 2017, you have the Lord's ear. Pray. One change we are implementing, you are already experiencing. We have returned to a single Sunday worship service. Now, this will give us the added time we need to begin to recognize in a more intentional fashion those who are sacrificially serving our church and the broader community of the Lakes region, as well as to keep you better informed as to the active, new, and planned ministry opportunities we are involved in as a faith community. So we're going to be a lot more forthcoming with recognition of individuals as they uh, participate in the purposes of God for their life and for the community, as well as uh, keeping you up to date as to where we are ministry-wise, because we're always expanding that realm. As mentioned earlier during the announcements, we are wasting no time in taking advantage of the opportunity this presents to recognize uh, these individuals and group who work so hard behind the scenes. Uh, so make sure you join us for the events on January 15th. Uh, we'll have detailed information for you in the bulletin next week. Adult Sunday School. Adult Sunday School. This is so stinking awesome. If you haven't signed up, really, if all you want to do is find out Sign up on the interest sheet. I'm, yes, I'm interested in adult Sunday school. I'm really excited about this. I hope you can catch some of the sense of how impacting this could be for those of us who want to excel in the Word of God. If you don't have the Word of God enriching your life, you will miss so much. Everything, everything has to be built on that foundation. You get a word of prophecy if you don't know the word of God and just stream by you. Now, we really, really, uh, I am so excited about this. David White will be launching this endeavor, facilitating both the structure and the topic of the class, the first set. David will also be enlisting other competent Bible teachers to come and share in order to keep diversity as part of the class structure. What we don't want to do is build, build an adult Sunday school box. All right, so that you go there for a few Sundays and then you say, oh, that's really boring. Right. It's going to be thrilling, exciting. So that we're not merely taught, but also challenged in our thinking. If this excites you or intrigues you, then don't forget Sign up sheet, I'm interested sheet over there on the middle table. Now, here's one I'm really excited about. 
Eric Shanley and I were talking about the upcoming year, and he reminded me of how excited we were when we first moved here from downtown. You know, remember that transition? A lot of you took part of that. And uh, this, this really unique thing happened. Uh, this little gray house next door, you see there's a porch, kind of looks over our parking lot. And so we'd be down any given day, we'd be downtown in the morning, then it'd shut down you know, at lunch and then come here and work. And every day this teenage girl, she's maybe 13, 14, she'd get off the bus and she lived in that house and then for the afternoon, she'd be on that porch. So, you know, in and out, in and out, she'd wave after a while, and then we'd get talking, and, you know, who, who are you? And then we'd give her stuff for her family from the food pantry, or we got a shipment of ice cream one time. We sent over ice cream. And so one day I asked her, I said, you know, every day you come home, and all you do is sit on that porch. you got a park here and the playground. And she said, oh, no. So my mother said, there's no way I can leave this porch if she's not home from work yet because this is a dangerous neighborhood. Dangerous neighborhood. The prior year, there had been two house invasions and a stabbing right over on Valley Street. Dangerous neighborhood. So I'm stay on this porch. So we had been working three or four months into it and one day, she comes walking past the church with another girl, and she's all, you know, hopping in her step and a big smile. I say, hey, where are you going? She's going over the playground. I say, oh, what happened? She says, well, my mom said, since you guys are here, it's safe. Huh? Okay. And we understood a dynamic was taking place that it was important for us to be in the neighborhood. We felt there was a significance that we were here in this neighborhood. And he and I, for a number of years, would go out door to door to invite people to special events. You remember that Hindu family down the street? Udi, was it Udi? Udai? Uh, turns out he was some type of Hindu priest. I mean, pretty high up and class structure and stuff. and We stopped by his house, Eric and I, in the middle of a snowstorm, right? <laughs> I mean, we'd knock on people's door and we'd have these invitations for a Christmas event and, and you know, they'd open it up a crete and tape the paper and shut the door and we went through a lot of those. Then we end up at Udai's house and yeah, we're just going door to door inviting people out to, oh, come in, come in, opens the door. This is my family, make tea, honey. You know, Sit down, try some of this food. And so we're there for like an hour with the Hindus. With Hindu hospitality. He started coming here. Him and his family came for weeks, months, and they, they moved on. You know. But it was an important lesson for us. It was a real eye-opener, you know, that we not have that barrier up, that religious barrier that keeps us from stepping into their home, having their tea and eating their food and having conversation about Jesus. It was a wonderful time. Over time, and a lot of closed doors and people not showing up, 
You know, we just, I think we did it three or four years, and then we just stopped doing it. We stopped going out and making the invitations. How many remember the living crush we did on the parking lot? We had live in, we built a, a stable and had animals in there. And I even had a lit-up star on a clothesline. Star of Bethlehem traveled right across our parking lot. It was spectacular. <laughs> you know why we did that? Because it was the neighborhood. It was, the na- it was important. And we've lost sight of that. We, we boxed ourselves in and couldn't see that anymore. So we're going to make a shift toward neighboring as evangelism. Is one of the things we determined at, at the leadership meeting is we're not doing enough evangelism, but the question is, what's that look like anymore? I mean, standing on the street corners handing out tracts is like how to get rid of waste paper. So you go around the corner, there it is in a pile, right? So how do we do it? Neighboring. We're in a neighborhood. Let's love our neighbors. I, I think that's number two on the list. Second greatest commandment, right? Love your neighbors. Leave the church. Knock on a door. Love your neighbor. (laughs) It's in there somewhere. So we're going to do that. Uh Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, and, you know, sometimes fruit comes later. Like right now, we're working on a church plant in Franklin. Martha and I, I actually courted Martha doing door-to-door evangelism to every house in Franklin with Bob Mears back in 1987. I mean, that's how we grew to love each other. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the centerpiece. And thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Great foundation, right? So to start with, we're going to sponsor three warm weather neighborhood events this upcoming year. We're not quite sure as to the dates, but essentially the first one will be late June, early July. We're going to have a block party and talk to... Uh, the city, see if we can get this part of the field. Uh, We'll have barbecue in the parking lot, and we'll get some inflatables in the field, face painting, that type of thing, and see if we can block off some of the area and just provide all the food, all the fixing, all the fun, and build some relationships. That'll be number one. That will lead to an invitation to number two, which will be the big picnic at Opeachy Point. We'll invite the whole neighborhood to join us for that. And uh, then in the fall, we'll do a similar thing, uh, some type of harvest party where we'll have the parking lot will be the cooking area, festivities. Uh, We'll have games in the park, you know, three-leg racing, that type of thing, uh, just to keep a continual uh, connection between this little building and the people in it and our neighbors. And our neighbors. So that's going to be the start. Neighboring as evangelism. Now, 
you can do little practice runs right out of your home, right, between now and then. Uh, you know, yesterday, uh, Martha and I were a couple of days up to our cabin uh, to experience 18 inches of snow in the, in the White Mountains. It was really nice, very quiet. And uh, we came back yesterday, and so Martha said, oh, we ought to invite some people over. So she called some folks, and of course, it, everyone's made plans, you know. And uh, so she said, oh, I'm going to make some nice lamb barley soup. And she made that, and it was really, really good. And I look across the street, and my neighbor's lights are on. It's just Dick and June, Dick and June, right? And they're probably in the 70s, retired, and uh, no local family, and they don't do much. So I said, oh, call up Dick and June. Ask them if they'd like some lamb barley stew. They were so excited to come across the street and spend the evening with us. We put on some Brian Regan, you know, comedy. <laughs> and just had a good time. You know, just neighboring. Just neighboring. Right? And that's going to be a mode of evangelism, and we'll be developing that uh, this coming year. So... 2017, absolutely, here we go again. And we want you to be involved for God's glory and for the well-being of your neighbors, too. Mm. Are you in?